At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Today's guest coming to us on the Modern Women phone line is Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger because Ole Miss baseball had a dominating weekend in Texas. Got pushed back a day. There was a question of whether or not this tournament was actually going to be played. How would Ole Miss get down there? But they found a way, and once they got there, beat TCU, beat Texas, beat Texas Tech. Three top ten teams. The capper, an 8-1 to dominating win over the Longhorns on Monday. Took them a little while to get going offensively, but that four-run sixth inning opened the floodgates, and Ole Miss put it away backing up an incredible start by Derek Diamond, the best start of all three Rebel pitchers. Who would have guessed that? Brad loves Ole Miss football. He has to. He's a former Ole Miss football player. But his second love is Ole Miss baseball. And you should have seen the text I got all weekend. You were fired up. <laughs> I tell you what, that first that first shot that uh, in the gap by Van Cleve, man, to to really in that first game to kind of open it up, I was. I mean, I was hyped. I mean, it was just like we picked up right where we left off last year. Uh, it was fun. I mean, and then I texted you this morning. I mean, how great was this? Monday is usually that day when you go into work and it's all kinds of crap going on. But we had the we had the Ole Miss Texas game to look forward to on a Monday. So this was like unlike any Monday I've I've had in a while. So I was hyped up from the time I woke up all the way to to the end of the game and. With my wife being from Texas, man, it was just great to slaughter all the Texas teams. I mean, they you trust me, when you live out there, you know why it's great to beat those teams. And the crazy thing is, is Ole Miss didn't hit the ball particularly well all weekend and still commanded each and every game because his pitching was so good. The bullpen 
gave up one run in 14 innings. Now got a little hairy on Sunday with Max Chofey, Luke Baker, and Braden Forsyth, but they got out of it, a 5-4 to four win. That was the closest they came in Uh-oh. any of these games. But pitching-wise, it couldn't have been more dominant after Doug Nikhazy, who started out by not getting through the second inning. Who would have guessed that? And yet Ole Miss still dominated pitching-wise. So it was a remarkable weekend. It was a statement-making weekend. And what's so encouraging about this is not only is Ole Miss number one in the country, according to Baseball America, the first time they've been ranked number one, which surprised me, in program history, but they've gotten here at 3-0 and when we all said that two wins this weekend would have been plenty. But 3-0, and number one in the country, not playing their best baseball. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what's um, that's what's really cool. Th- this weekend was almost best case scenario. You know, I feel like you roll out there and you you completely dominate. And then you know may- maybe you get a little too ahead of yourself, but you know went out there. We did. What we had to do to win. It wasn't you know the most impressive you know wins that 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 Ole Miss has ever had. So when you leave this weekend, you say, Hey man, we have a really good freaking baseball team, and we still have a lot that we can get better at. What's this team going to look like when we actually all start clicking on you know, all cylinders and all the bats are rolling? You know, maybe eliminate some of the walks. Um, th- there's just that much more room to get better while beating three top ten teams pretty handily. So, um, very exciting. Um, you know, you know, up- upward path for this team. For those of you who might be worried, Peyton Chatagnier, Mike Bianco didn't have much of an update, but it didn't seem like that hamstring injury was one that could keep him out multiple weeks. But they still have to observe him because you really don't know about hamstrings until the day after strength wise and how he'll recover and just how he'll respond, but that he was able to walk off the field under his own power. That was an encouraging sign, but still, I don't think there's any type of real update outside of Mike Bianco saying it didn't look that bad. And he was able to walk off. Kel Baker will be back in the lineup on Wednesday. The Arkansas state game has been moved, pushed back from Tuesday to Wednesday as it should have been to begin with. After this tournament was pushed back a game, Arkansas State pushed back. You can say it's had to do with the uh, wintry weather and the water that might have been collecting at Swayze Field. But really, logistically, Ole Miss just needed a day off after this tournament. And getting that and starting Drew McDaniel, who was a reliever in the first game against TCU in that win, he will start against Arkansas State. What was crazy is this was the first time Ole Miss and Texas met in the regular season in baseball since 1912. That shocked me. Because for you, for me, I grew up around Ole Miss. I went to Ole Miss. I've been through all of this before. But for anybody listening to this podcast, you and me doing this podcast, what is the one memory of Ole Miss baseball no one can shake, ever? Of course, the Evan Button game. But it all started with that 2005 Super Regional. When effectively, Texas won a national championship because the national championship was played in Oxford, Mississippi. The two best teams almost got an absolute shit draw and got Texas coming to Oxford. The two best teams, they went to Omaha and went undefeated that year. And that shocked me that that was the last time Ole Miss and Texas have played and then that Ole Miss and Texas have not played in the regular season since 1912. And this series started in 1900. And almost took care of business on Monday. What a weekend. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it was really, really neat to see the team come out there and live up to the expectations all while still needing to get a little bit better. So, I mean, it's just um, 
Yeah, we, we have a real squad, man. I mean, there's some talent. The Gonzalez kid, um, he had some, he had so many arms. I mean, he, the the kid that closed out the game, I think I forgot his name. I think it starts with the M or something like that. But he was um, that's I mean, Josh Malix. He's a freshman. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good players coming off the bench and, um, and, and, and really pitching into a team that already has established players. So I think we're loaded. I think we're going to keep getting better. Um, when this team actually hits its peak, it could be really, really special. I'm not sure that Jacob Gonzalez isn't the best hitter on this team already. I'm a God, I'm a God on a limb and say, I mean, you gotta think he got, he was in there versus top talent. Um, and he goes, I mean, I think it was near, he hit near 500 this this weekend, if not, um, uh, I'm going to say he's going to be one of the best hitters in the SEC this year. Four for ten, a home run, a triple. The kid's got it. Not much more you can say about this kid. Mike Bianco said he's a future superstar. All of his teammates call him the walking barrel. But you got to see it for yourself. And because of COVID, we couldn't be out there watching inter-squads, watching scrimmages, all that kind of stuff. Couldn't be in person talking to these players and coaches outside of on the phone, remotely, on Zoom. So to see it for yourself, yeah, he's a superstar. I still question what the lineup is actually going to look like once Ole Miss settles into a pattern. And I'm not sure that they're there yet. I still think there might be a guy or two that end up becoming lineup regulars that maybe didn't show up this weekend or didn't play this weekend. I think Kemp Alderman, by the end of the year, could factor in. I think Calvin Harris who had Tommy John surgery, was supposed to be the backup catcher, but he can swing. He got in as a designated hitter and replacing Ben Van Cleve on Monday. He's somebody who could factor in. Kale Baker hasn't even played yet. Trey LaFleur, there's so much upside. He oozes upside. I think there's still a lot in flux about that lineup that ultimately could make it look a lot different. Tim Elko did not have a good weekend at the, at the plate. Kevin Graham, he was okay. He's the one that kick-started that sixth inning on Monday. He waited back on a hanging breaking ball against a lefty who up until Monday, Kevin Graham had hit, I think, one for 26 against lefties. Oh, one for 27 against lefties in his career. That was a big hit. It got it going. So if Kevin Graham can keep coming, can hit lefties, Tim Elko, he can settle in. You expect him. He's one of your veterans to settle in. There's still a lot of upside to this team after they went out and won three straight games against three top 10 teams. There's still a lot we don't know about Ole Miss. So I'm with you. Yes, this weekend couldn't have gone any better for Ole Miss baseball, but they didn't play their best baseball. And if you're an Ole Miss fan, that should be what gets you the most hyped. This team believes, as Derek Diamond told us on Monday, that they're not going to lose very many games. Last year's team believed, as Ben Van Cleef told me straight up, that they were going to go 55-1. and one. Now in baseball, are you going to go 55-1? and one? Of course not. But they believe that. And this team has carried that over, and you can see it. You can see it in the way they carry themselves and their confidence, regardless of whether or not they're getting results. Be it hitting the ball hard, but hitting in the outs like Tim Elko did, or maybe a Luke Baker coming in as a true freshman in a high-leverage situation trying to close a game out and pounding the strike zone. Yeah, he got tagged for a single, but it didn't matter. He came in and he pounded the zone. This team's got confidence. It's got swagger about it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, they. Um, it was it, it was really special to see some of the some of the the um, stuff that we got to see this weekend. I mean, the 
the um, the pitching is. I mean, you got to think. You would think that it was such a joint effort. You would think, hey, Doug Casey goes out there. You think he's going to throw, you know, six or seven solid innings? He throws. He gets. He gets ran out of there in the second. Well, here comes here comes Broadway and, you know, to to absolutely come in. And I mean, it's just nice to have that kind of depth behind behind good pitchers. So, what was cool is that there was really no one player other than Gonzalez that was dominant all week, and it was kind of a, a joint team effort to to win all these games, which I think is cool. Um, that a team is that talented where, you know, you never know whose day it's going to be. I mean, Chatney, Chatney comes up versus Texas and, you know, three for four. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, it was just cool. It was a good solid team effort for almost, there was no really, you know, um, standout guy that kind of carried the whole load, you know? So it was, um, it, just a great all around, all around team effort this weekend. Look, Ole Miss basketball lost on Saturday. Their NCAA tournament hopes took a critical hit. Mississippi state was net 93. For a team chasing the bubble, that can be fatal. And I think that might be fatal for Ole Miss, assuming that it doesn't win out and go win two games in the SEC tournament, which, let's be honest, not likely. Is this team, this Ole Miss baseball team, knowing that Ole Miss football is on an upward trajectory under Lane Kiffin, is this Ole Miss baseball team of the next 10 years the best chance, if only chance, for Ole Miss to win a national championship in the major three sports, I I would say I would say yes, and, and the reason being is the pitching. I mean, you have three guys that are legit have potential to be first rounders. I mean, they're at least going to be top three rounders. I mean, these guys. You mean to tell me your Sunday guy is out there hitting ninety six with movement? Uh, I mean, and striking out eight or nine. That's that's a pretty special team, man. I mean, these and, and these guys have you know they got a little experience on their belt from last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this pitching rotation is, is, is unbelievable. You have three Friday starters in this rotation. So if there's ever a chance to do it, I think that, um, you know, obviously the bats are going to come on. We do have some studs in the lineup that that can really produce there. But when you win a championship, man, rolling out three starters, throwing that kind of, with that kind of velocity and that, that kind of movement on their ball. I mean, you, you, you gotta say we have a very good chance. That's the thing in any other rotation. Derek Diamond would be, at worst, the number two. In college baseball, it was an old funny joke that everybody would make in a press box that Sunday baseball and college baseball, buckle up, you're going to be there for 10 hours because it would be, what, 15 to 13 games? Because the Sunday starters typically aren't very good. Now, across college baseball, because of the COVID season, allowing for an extra year of eligibility for any number of guys, it almost has four COVID seniors, all pitchers, there are teams that have good pitching depth, but as far as top-end starting pitching one, two, three, I don't think anybody in the country has what Ole Miss has. And it's because Derek Diamond, it's like the rug and the big Lebowski. He brings the room together. Yeah, absolutely. And think, man, we were playing top 10 teams this weekend. What like you rolled out there versus, you know, a small school and, and dominate. I mean, these are these guys all stepped in the box versus you know, stepped on the mound versus very good opponent. So it's um, to have a guy coming out there in your third game versus a top 10 team, throwing 96 um, and, you know, mowing down eight or nine guys. I mean, come on. That's that, that that's as high end as it gets. See, I don't even know what the football equivalent of this would be, right? Because I've asked you this before, how Ole Miss competes to go to Atlanta, the playoff, the championship. And you've said that Matt Corral – his last year, that's going to be the best chance for a while. 
Well, that would mean next season, because I, I think everybody assumes or is pretty much locked into the fact that Matt Crowell next season is his last season because the quarterback class for next year's draft isn't particularly deep, and he's the best returning quarterback in the SEC. So next year, after next year, he's probably gone. So the equivalent to this, the football equivalent to this, would maybe be next year. And that is crazy to say, knowing defensively a lot has to go right for them to improve. But if you equate a 5-5 five and five season, nine games in which they played all SEC teams over a normal season... They win at least eight games last year with their cupcake non-conference games, or nine. And going into next season, when you look at the schedule, seeing as how they played each and every one of these games close, even the games they lost and played bad in, like Arkansas, and turned the ball over six times, they have a chance in every single game. And I know the Ole Miss coaching staff, yeah, Alabama's always the class of the SEC. As long as Nick Saban is there, that's just going to be the case, regardless of what they lose. These Ole Miss coaches believe they can't be stopped by anybody. It doesn't matter if it's Alabama or not. So next season might be the best chance for Ole Miss to sneak its way into the playoff. And that sounds asinine, I'm sure. But think about it. Yeah, Luke Altmyer's coming behind Matt Corral. But when are you going to have all these pieces in play? A veteran, talented, dynamic quarterback paired with a talented offensive mind in Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy. Next year's it. Yeah, I think I think considering all things, you look at the the top dog Alabama. We all know they're going to reload, but man, they're they're losing a lot. I mean, they they're losing their um, you know, their top three guys on offense with the quarterback, um, you know, Smith and um, you know, the running back Harris or whatever. So that's aside from them. I mean. Uh, that we should have a chance to win every game. And then you look at what they're losing. There's no reason why we can't beat them. So yeah, I think next year they're Ole Miss fans um, have every right to expect us to be in there competing for it. Cause we frankly did it this year. I mean, you look at every game we were in them. Um, and like you said, if we play a non-conference schedule, um, we're eight, nine, win team. And people are, you know, you're, you're looking at us instead of a six and five team, we're looking at a, a really happy fan base. That's that, you know, says, Hey, we're a, you know, a really good team. So, um, yeah, I think next next year is is um, definitely one of our best chances. I know that in talking to the staff, some of the staff, um, they're very excited about Altmaier. They're very excited about some of these wide receivers. I've heard that Quay Davis and, and Buckholter look um, look to be the real deal. Um, I, I know they're very excited about this offensive class, but I think it's going to be a couple of years for them to grow. I really do. You can't expect you know true freshmen to step in there and and be um, you know you know carry the load. You're going to have to have some guys that have been there. Um, to be able to do it, those guys you just hope can pitch in and, and create, uh, you know, you know, some good depth and some and some good good fill-ins. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, with Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. After I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. 
So give Chandy's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at chaneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings, maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. David Johnson ran a story on the Ole Miss Spirit on Monday about Luke Altmaier. What have you heard about him? Yeah, I mean, just just in talking to um, you know some some coaches or whatever, they they are very excited about the kid. Um, they're very impressed with how dedicated he is um, so far. I mean, he's you text him early in the morning, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. I mean, he's just he, he's working his tail off. He he understands that um, you know he's there to to learn from Matt, but at the same time, he's he's really impressing them. And, um, you know, when asked, Hey, how does he look throwing it? Um, the reaction I got was this dude is special. So, um, and that's coming from, 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 from pretty, um, you know, pretty knowledgeable guy. So he, um, I know they're very excited about him and, and him and his development going forward. See, but the thing is, no matter the arm talent, no matter how excited you are about the next guy, it's all about experience, especially at quarterback, the most important position on the field. So that's why going into next year, you could probably say it's the best shot for a while, even with Luke Altmaier, maybe with Arch Manning, if Ole Miss happens to land Arch Manning. I don't know. Point being, the pieces are kind of in place, and Alabama's kind of vulnerable enough that you could see the path, however small it might be. If Ole Miss basketball had not lost to State, and was still in contention or on the right side or getting closer to the right side of the bubble, it'd be hard to argue there's a better time to be an Ole Miss fan in quite some time. Think about how miserable things had been for a while. Remember the last year of Andy Kennedy. Remember how miserable football was since 2016. Ole Miss baseball has been awesome. Yeah. One went away from going to Omaha two years ago. But the way they lost that game three game, it was a blowout. That made for some really hard pills to swallow for any Ole Miss fan. And also led to the one real mistake I think Keith Carter's made as AD, which was not rolling over Mike Bianco's contract. Been over that before. He's rectified that extended amount. Mike Bianco is Ole Miss baseball. And you can have quibbles with them about decision-making and lineup construction. I do. But I fully admit and fully recognize that if not for Mike Bianco, 
Ole Miss baseball is not what it is. Remember what it was before him. He should be able to go out on his own terms. There should be no pressure on Mike Bianco. I'm getting off track here. Point being, not too long ago, it was hard to get excited about any one thing in particular. But now, if Ole Miss had beaten State, it didn't, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better time in the last handful of years to be optimistic about the possibility of Ole Miss being nationally relevant in every sport. Absolutely. I mean, you got to think we just would come off a big bowl win and played all SEC schedule so that the record um, you know, should have been better um, had we played other teams. You got a team that's ranked number one on the nation, and then you had a basketball team who was fighting back to make it to the tournament. Well, they, they didn't, but um, you even look at that program, um, you, know, you got some recruits coming in that, that apparently can shoot the ball. That's to be determined. Um you know, and there are some guys there that, that you can build with. So, I mean, that program is hopefully going to be fixed next year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this, this this is a very exciting time for Ole Miss sports. Um, I think that you have, a you know, obviously number one baseball team and you have a football team that has every bit of ability to compete for the SEC championship next year. And and every time I say that, people will laugh. They think I'm just an Ole Miss homer when I'm talking crap to all my other SEC friends. But, I'm telling you, look at the games last year, man. I mean, that th- this is what we were able to do last year with, um, you know, short off season and all the things considered. Um, you know, Ole Miss was in there, man. I mean, and they were. And I know that this, this staff truly believes that, that that they can they can compete with an Alabama and 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 beat it in Alabama. So, um, yeah, these are exciting times for Ole Miss, and there there is um, a lot to be a lot to be happy about and a lot of expectation that that comes with it and. You know, hopefully we can deliver, um, and it's not the same old Ole Miss story. Look, I've said it countless times already before, and I've acknowledged how wrong I was, but I thought you were insane when you said that you thought that Ole Miss could compete for the West this year, and they kind of did. They kind of did. In a normal year, they would have been right there, right there in the mix. They were rewarded at four and five with the Outback Bowl. Ole Miss doesn't go to the Outback Bowl. That's one of the premier SEC bowls. And they beat Indiana. I'm not trying to rehash old ground here. I'm simply saying it's not so crazy to think that next year, when you look and try to break it down moving forward, might be the best chance. And it's putting a lot of expectations on that team. And a lot of fans will go, oh, no, you you can't do that. Let them just work. No, no. Take it from this Ole Miss baseball team that isn't running from expectations. They're embracing expectations. It's okay to believe that you're going to be good and you're going to be competing at the highest level, not only to win your division, but to win the conference and go challenge for a national championship. In football, it's harder because the path is not like baseball. Baseball you get to Omaha first and then you see how everything falls. And because Ole Miss has got 22 pitchers on its roster, arguably the best pitching depth in the country, it would be set up so well if they could get to the college world series. Let's wait and see what this offense becomes over the course of the next handful of months, but take something from them. If they're embracing it, why can't football embrace it? Why can't you be cocky in that way? What's wrong with that? This isn't all that serious. It's sports. Some people get worked up and caught up in, oh, no, these boys, they don't need a, a, you know, any type of pressure and all that. Screw all that. It's sports. 
once Ole Miss stops taking itself so seriously, which it kind of did when it hired Lane Kiffin, and embrace the absurdity that is college sports, that's when Ole Miss is fun. That's when you can play more freely. That's when you as a fan can treat this with more freedom, right? Why not? Why not be cocky about the idea that maybe, just maybe, Ole Miss next year in football will contend for the SEC West? Why not? Look at what they're returning. Name me another quarterback in the SEC better than Matt Corral coming back. You can't. You can't. You can't. Hey, looking looking at the baseball schedule, Ben, convince me we're not starting eighteen and zero. I just don't want to put that on them for one reason. Baseball is a tricky, tricky game. You can lose midweek games just because the pitching's not there one day. Maybe Drew McDaniel has a bad day on Wednesday. Doesn't mean that the team's broken or something's wrong, but I can see it where some old Miss fans might all of a sudden start panicking. So I'm sitting here telling you, be cocky about this baseball team. Absolutely. But no, like I said earlier, Ben Van Cleef, we were going to go 55-1, and but then he comes back and says, obviously we're not going 55-1, and but that's the mindset. Same thing here. They're going to lose some games. That's just going to happen. Baseball, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But yeah, when you look at the <laughs> you look down the schedule, yeah. But, but think about it this way, though. Think about it this way, though. Offensively, there are a few red flags right now. Now, it's a very, very, very small sample. It's three games. That's why I told you you texted me about it. You worried about the offense. No. It's three good teams. It's three games. No. Way too small a sample. But in two weeks, if this is what the offense looks like, then yes, of course you should be a little bit worried. But what if the offense continues like that? See, I don't want to look too far ahead in that way. We still got a lot of questions about this baseball team, regardless of the fact that they are really good. They're the number one team in the country, and they didn't play their best baseball over the weekend. We keep repeating that, but it's true. Uh, and, and, and we're worried about their offense, and they put up 20 runs in three games, not even hitting the ball. That's, that's what's impressive. Yeah, yeah my I question mean, is this. If Trey LaFleur, who started out slow, but he was injured, didn't get clear till late in the week, if he keeps hitting, how do you handle Kel Baker? Is he all of a sudden in a platoon with Ben Van Cleve at DH? They're both right-handers. How do you handle that? Or does one of them, it only be Ben Van Cleve because Baker can't do it, play the outfield in a game? I don't know. That would be fun to see. One yeah. of those big burly dudes trying to run out in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, competition is going to make them better. I mean, they're, um, yeah, I, I, I like. I mean, I seriously think Alderman gets in there at some point. He's going to get probably a chance versus Arkansas State and maybe get some ABs in this first weekend series versus UCF. Um, I, I still, from all the stuff I've heard, I mean, I, I'm surprised he didn't get enough at-bat this weekend. Yeah, um, I am too. I'm surprised. And I need to clarify something. Look, Trey LaFleur has actually repped a lot in the outfield. So if that were to happen, if he keeps hitting, he could play a corner because Hayden Leatherwood, he didn't do much of anything this weekend. Kevin Graham, can he hit left-handed pitching consistently? He's one for two now in 2021. He's going to get every opportunity to hit left-handed pitching. He did it in the fall. He did it in the preseason. He's never done it in live action consistently. So he could be a platoon bat. Trey LaFleur, I think, has some of the greatest upside of any player on this roster. You can see it. Look at the frame. He still has so much room to grow, too. But the power's already there. He roped that home run on Monday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> he yeah. smoked. He smoked. 
So I, I just think that there's a lot of unknowns about this offense, but I don't even care because the talent, the amount of it, is what gives you this bullish kind of sense about this team. Are they going to be number one all year? No. They're going to lose some games. They might lose a midweek game or a weekend game to Belmont that frustrates the hell out of you. And then you're wondering, oh, God. Or what if Doug Nikhazy comes out and goes, oh, God, he struggled again. What's wrong with Doug Nikhazy? He'll be fine. These guys are all going to settle into particular roles. Two things always have to play immediately if you're a good team. Bullpen and defense. And Ole Miss has been flawless bullpen and defense. Got a little hairy with Max Chofey walking some people, but he threw 47 pitches. He's never done that before. And he had to do that because the day before, Taylor Broadway had to cover four innings because Doug Nikhazy couldn't get out of the second inning. That's not going to happen. So what I'm saying is, this team, where it needs to be good after three games, bullpen defense, it's exactly where it needs to be. Yeah, we're the, I mean, <laughs> we're the favorites in the next 20, 19 games. Ole Miss, Ole Miss should be, I mean, they're, they're oh, better. God. You're going to do that too. I know you're going to do that. And the, the oh, one I, time they lose a game against a team like a Memphis, Memphis isn't any good. You're, you're going to lose it. I don't know, man. I, I think I think here's the difference this year. I think it's the extra pitchers. I think that we're going to have enough to roll some really good arms out there midweek compared to some other years. I really do. Um, yeah, I mean, I just – yeah, this team, I mean, listen, we did – the hitting is going to come on due to what kind of pitching we're about to face over these next some odd games. So, I mean, we're going to start lighting it up here soon. I, I will say this, though. It, it is kind of concerning. I know we were playing good teams, but we, we've only hit, what, two home runs this weekend? Um, yeah, but that's a yeah, big I mean, part, though. Yeah, that's, that's true, because uh, you did look on the radio. Um, Richard Cross did say that Elko's home run would, would have been out of Swayze on, on a couple. Of, I think there's oh, yeah. two balls they said. Yeah. Would have been ben Van run. Cleve, Wait. that double he hit, that opposite field double, that's a home run yeah. to Swayze. Yeah, yeah. So that's that. That is something we do have to factor in there. Those bit, those big league ballparks probably took. That, that's was both ways too. I mean, that they hit some warning track balls as well. So, um, oh, oh, yeah. oh, my man! In that um, inning, in which that dude hit that no doubt bomb off of Derek Diamond. I mean, that ball was smashed. Later on, I can't remember who it was, but another guy stepped up and hit a ball that had had it been two feet to the right, no doubt gone. But because he hit it in the cavernous part where it's 374 at Globe Life, it was an out. It's Swayze. That ball's long gone. And Ole Miss is down two runs. That's baseball. That's baseball. Because then he comes back in the sixth and he dominates and the game's pretty much over because Ole Miss offensively came in and just put the game away. Broke it open. So I, I'm just not taking too much from three games other than this. The bullpen is every bit as good as we thought it was. Defensively, they were really damn good. Trey LaFleur has to play first base defensively. He's just too good there. But yeah. if Kel Baker is hitting, he can play nowhere else. He could play emergency catcher, but then what are you doing with Hayden Dunhurst? He's the best catcher in college baseball. You're not going to take Hayden Dunhurst out just so you can get Kel Baker into the lineup. If Trey LaFleur has to go to a corner, so be it. But man, defensively, he saved a number of errors by pitchers throwing over. Not only that, he made great plays on pickoffs that resulted in outs. Now his uh, leaking off a third base and getting picked off, I don't know what he was doing. I have no clue. I mean, what was even in his brain (laughs) to get picked off third base with 
inarguably your best hitter right now, Jacob Gonzalez, at the plate. How does that happen with less than two outs? Where was he going? Yeah, it appeared he slipped or something like that. But yeah, just just stand right there next to the bag and just um, stand you, there. <laughs> you, got, you got your best hitter up. Let's let, let him drive you in there. Ben, you think it's you think it's safe to say that that Shatten is the um is the is the breakout player this year? I mean, I I think that I feel something special around this kid. I feel like he's maybe the um the the, the sort of video type from from the previous. No, year. I think it's Gonzalez. I think it's Gonzalez. But you think so? I mean, Gonzalez, we kind of expected. We kept well, not real, but but still, though, you have to do it in games. And Peyton Shatney yeah. had a nice little seventeen game run last year. I think that Jacob Gonzalez is not only the future but the present of this program. Okay, think about it this way: every single year for the last however many years, you knew who the superstars were, right? Now, again, Ole Miss is incredibly talented and deep. But Thomas Dillard isn't in this lineup. Greg Kessinger, a second-round pick of the Astros, he isn't in this lineup. Right? Yeah. The names that you know are Peyton Shatner, yeah, but still, that was a small sample, 17 games. Hayden Dunhurst, no doubt, best catcher in baseball. But offensively, you want to see a little bit more. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be hitting third by the end of the year. But Gonzalez is a wild card. Because as good as he was in the fall... And as good as he was in the preseason, you have to see it in games, but the exit below on every single one of the balls he puts in play is consistently elite as far as hit tool. That's why he's a breakout guy. I love Peyton Chatney. I really do. But he has absolutely no plate discipline whatsoever. None. <laughs> he's going to just be first pitch swinging. The OBP is not going to... I don't know if he's going to be the leadoff all year. If it were me, and it's not... And Mike Bianco, I've said this countless times, I'm sorry. Mike Bianco's forgotten more baseball than I'll ever know. But if it were me, Jacob Gonzalez would bat first and never bat anywhere else. Now, I'm of the belief, because I'm an analytically inclined person, that believes that your best hitter bats second. Mike Bianco said he didn't have the guts to bat Jacob Gonzalez third on opening day, telling you what? That he believes the three-hole is where you put your best hitter. I disagree. I also said that Tim Elko was the best hitter on this team. After three games, if we're overreacting, hey, it's an overreaction Tuesday. If we're overreacting, maybe Tim Elko, I was wrong. Maybe Tim Elko isn't the best hitter on this team. Maybe this the best hitter on this team is already Jacob Gonzalez, and he's batting him second where I would want to put him if he's the best overall hitter. But who's the best on-base guy? I don't know if it's Peyton Shatney, and I have no idea who that person would be. So it'd be like Ronald Acuna betting leadoff for the Braves. Same thing with Jacob Gonzalez. So then give me the second best hitter on the team to go behind him. That's why it's a breakout. There's a lot of unknown variables about this offense, and there isn't the name, the Thomas Dillard, the Greg Kessinger, Let's go far back. Chris Coghlan, Zach Kozart. The names you know are Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland, and soon to be Derek Diamond. Should be Hayden Dunhurst. He's the best catcher in baseball. Point being, I'm not so sure that by the end of this year, Jacob Gonzalez isn't the name that everybody knows. He's the next Thomas Dillard. He's the name. He's Tyler Keenan. He's Anthony Servideo. He's the superstar. Peyton Chatney is awesome. He's a lot of fun. But is he a superstar? 
Jacob Gonzalez, you see future major league player, right? I don't know if I see that with Peyton Shatney. It's not a knock on the kid. He's a great college player. But the profile for this kid is totally different. That's why when you talk about breakout, I'm going with that guy. Because we're talking about superstar. We're talking about all-time great. We're talking Tyler Keenan. We're talking Chris Coughlin, Cozart. That's what this kid looks like. He looks like Greg Kessinger did in year three, and he's played three games. Yeah, that, that that was a quote that I was I was pretty pretty shocked to hear. I mean, that's that's some high praise right there um, to say that he's already that far along. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I mean, I th- like I said, I think he has a chance to be one of the best hitters in the SEC overall this year. I mean, just look the way he swung versus versus high quality opponents um, you know, early on in the year. And I mean, he is he's just so smooth from that left side. So um, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's, that's the fun part about Ole Miss baseball. There's always that next guy. I can't remember a time since I've been following that there isn't that, that that next guy hasn't showed up and, and and been here for two or three years. I mean, it happens every single time. That, yeah, that's but the what thing happened. was, with this team, slugging-wise, who was that guy? We were projecting that onto Tim Elko. Mm-hmm. Jacob Gonzalez might be that guy. Already might be that guy. I think he's going to grow out of shortstop, though. Because of his frame, his body, his build. If he's already physically Greg Kessinger in year three, what is he going to be himself in year three? Probably playing third base. And that's fine. Because then he's going to make room for TJ McCants, who is sitting yeah. on the bench right now. And that kid was highly ranked coming out of high school. Ton of talent. And he actually performed well in the fall and in the preseason, but he doesn't have a spot because almost returned everybody because of the COVID year. And Jacob Gonzalez is just otherworldly right now. That play in the hole. Think about that playing at third base once he's too big. I mean, my God. Kid's a superstar. He's a superstar. We have fawned way too much over this baseball team. Hey, what is Ole Miss football doing right now? Um, they're they're doing you know, obviously this time of year they do some, you know, obviously workouts and stuff like that. So it's just your um your typical um you know, just your typical off season workouts. You know, maybe a little film, maybe a little little walkthrough, but um you know that th- this year is probably their, or or this time of year is more or less just preparing for for spring football, and um, you know you're working out pretty hard this part of the year. Make a prediction. Does or, Ole Miss over under? Hold on, I'm getting to it. Over under Ole Miss baseball. Thirty eight and a half wins. Thirty eight and a half wins on the season. Yeah. We're going twenty-two and zero to start. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Sorry. Oh, my right bad. here. So that's yeah. that. Never. And you look. We play. We start out with Auburn and, and Alabama. I mean, not saying they're not going to be good, but we're going to be the favorites in there. Twenty-six and zero is there for the taking. Oh you heard my it here. God. Oh Jesus. You heard it here first. Is Jeff Levy the next head coach of Ole Miss football? Yes, if he doesn't take a job before them. Oh, that's two big wow predictions for you. We got to get to Nick Suss of the Jackson Clarion Ledger on the Modern Woman phone line. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five star review. Doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Spirit. OMSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. It was fun, man. Let's do it again. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Before we jump to Nick Suss on the Modern Woman phone line, let's hear from BA Bank, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. 
Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Nick Suss. He covers Ole Miss football, basketball, baseball, everything Ole Miss. For the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Hey, buddy. Hey, Ben. How are you? I'm doing well. I've watched a lot of baseball these last couple of days. I think you have too. A lot of baseball. And I love covering baseball. But the one downside to covering baseball, it can take a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is my sport. You know, it's my favorite sport to cover too. But like, those were, those were long baseball games. And when I'm covering Ole Miss and Mississippi State, there are some long days in there. How do you do it? Because what I do is I just lay up on my couch or lay up on the bed because we can't be there. What's the point if we can't have in-person interviews? So I just feel like such a slob laying up on my couch, waiting, watching, waiting for the Zoom call, watching. I feel so lazy. I feel like I'm like fading away. So true story saturday uh i was one of the few people in oxford who lost power because of the balloon and the power lines uh and this happened about an hour before the first game started on saturday so i drove to the pavilion like seven hours before the basketball game started and just sat in the parking lot and stole wi-fi uh for probably six innings or so before i went home so that was fun but when i did have power i'm just sitting at my desk preparing pretending that i'm at a ballpark which is so much better than my desk so i've got a nicer better. chair at home i've got a nice chair at home but other than that the ballpark a lot better it's so much better i, I want to be in the environment it's been so much fun to be in globe life covering a three and a weekend for almost baseball now brad and i have talked about almost baseball for this whole podcast but for you the biggest takeaway was what that this team is pretty darn good for a team that didn't look as good as I thought it would. I mean, we're talking about a team that ostensibly just proved that it's one of the three or four best teams in the country, if not validating the number one ranking it's going to get tomorrow. But it didn't hit all that well, and its best pitcher barely showed up, and it went innings at a time where it was just striking out like crazy. And it still went three and zero against three top 11, top 10 teams. I mean, for a team that you can quite easily look at it and say, well, Tim Elko didn't hit and Justin bench barely hit. And Kevin Graham had one good game and Hayden Leatherwood wasn't that consistent. And Doug Nikhazy couldn't find the zone and Max Chofi wasn't as good as he was last year. And you don't even have Kale Baker and, you didn't use uh, Wes Burton and you're still sitting at three and zero, and people are talking about you like you're the best team in the country. That's, that's scary for some of these SEC opponents. Did any player in particular not name Jacob Gonzalez surprise or impress you? 
I I didn't think Derek Diamond would be pumping mid to high 90s. Did you? No, especially after the fall when he was dealing with an arm strain. They can call it tendonitis, but back then they were calling it an arm strain. And that is the worst possible diagnosis you can get as a pitcher because usually that's the precursor to what? Tommy John surgery, but rest and rehab, staying away from the mound, slowly building up his throwing to come out pumping 97 in the first inning, staying consistently 93 to 96 throughout his six innings? No, never saw that coming. Especially when this is a dude who topped out at five and two thirds last year. His best start, I think, was one earned run in five innings against Xavier. He looked good against Indiana last year. He looked good against Louisville last year, but he never looked this good against a top team. And there were times where, I mean, he's mostly a two pitch guy. He can mix in a third here and there, but he was using two pitches. And Texas, two times through the lineup, didn't have any answers. And I know Texas had trouble hitting this weekend. They would, they aren't the most potent offensive team we'll miss faced. But Diamond looked every bit as good as Gunnar Hoagland did. I, I don't want to put that on him because obviously Gunnar has the longer track record. But if that's Ole Miss's number three guy, a guy who's hitting 93 to 95 most Sundays, it's going to get warmer. It's going to get easier to pitch. He's going to get more in rhythm. If he's that guy, wow, that's that's a really impressive rotation that Ole Miss has. Well, let's be honest. If you looked around the country, now every single team got pitchers back because of the COVID year. But as far as three-man yeah. rotations go, I don't know if anybody's better. Not if he's this. Not if, And Derek yeah. Diamond was good last year, but if he's this, nobody's better. Yeah, it, it comes down to Florida maybe. I mean, that's the competition you're in. Vanderbilt's top two is obviously Vanderbilt's top two, but one, two, three. Uh, and if you're assuming Jackson Kimbrell or Jackson Kimbrell ends up being the fourth starter at some point, gosh, he looked great. And then Taylor Broadway, that was the best I've ever seen him. And he's had some pretty darn good bright spots at Ole Miss. I, you look at the eighth, ninth men in these bullpens where Brendan Johnson looked like he'd be a top end bullpen guy any other year. And now you're looking at him as your fifth or sixth guy out of the pen. I thought this would be a team with better pitching than hitting, but I didn't think the pitching would be this good this early. Well, what I told Brad was this. Ole Miss is exactly where it needs to be right now because of two things. One, bullpen, dynamite, and defense. Defense was better than I thought it'd be. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do yeah, think- with Trey LaFleur at first base, and it's going to be hard. Even with Kale Baker coming back, it's going to be hard because of that defensive, um, not just versatility, but just ability at first base to cover a lot of things up to take Trey LaFleur out of the lineup. It will. And I think a lot of this ends up depending on how long Chatney is out. If it's just a week or two and it's the UCF series, uh, you don't have to make too many concessions. But what happens if you have to put Justin Bench back at second base? And do you trust Cade Sammons? Is that when you try LaFleur out there? Is that when you move some things around? I don't know. That kind of helps to have LaFleur as a potential utility guy. Uh, there in the infield and outfield, but he looked really good. His bat came around the last two games. I thought he was a little bit lost the first game, but he he put some really good swings on it in the last two games, and obviously pounded that home run in his last at bat. But yeah, if you have him uh, to be a rotational piece, because let's be realistic, Kale Baker's got all the power in the world, but he wasn't a very consistent hitter last year. So if you can kind of mix and match those guys depending on what you need on a certain day. 
I think that's actually better for Ole Miss than having Kale Baker hit 230 from the five hole and maybe hit one home run a weekend. Did I completely misread this, or did it come across to you like it did to me that Mike Bianco wasn't overly concerned about Chatagnier? Yeah, I kind of felt that way too. And just based off of the way that uh, Peyton was moving when he was trying to stretch it out and trying to convince them that he can play or can keep running, I guess, it seemed to me like it looked more like a cramp than a strain. But, I mean, Bianco says, pulled hammy, pulled hammy. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. But, you know, the weird thing about hamstrings is they they don't heal at any predictable rate. Sometimes you're good the next day. Sometimes it'll linger for two, three, four weeks. So I bet he's back in the lineup within 10 days. I wouldn't be shocked if he's back in the lineup by Friday. But if they keep him out for precaution, uh, one inning of Garrett Wood didn't seem that bad. No, and he'd be the next guy up, even though I'd be tempted to just get a little crazy because it's Arkansas State and throw T.J. McKenzie in there. Yeah, and again, it doesn't hurt that you have Justin Bench in that experience that if you need to put him at second and put Cade Sammons or Plumley or even LaFleur in the outfield, you can do that too. The problem with that is who plays center field if it's not Cade Sammons and John Rice Plumley because they can't hit? Who's playing yeah. center field? It's not Kevin Graham. He's already a butcher in left field. It's not no, Hayden Motherwood, you know? No, I, now I'm sitting there thinking, Elko? No, he's he, he's not mm-hmm. a he's a corner outfielder at best. Yeah, this isn't a team that has that many natural outfielders on it. But I mean, I've been in Oxford for three years, and I think they've had one natural outfielder. That's the way Mike it, Bianco rolls. He recruits yeah. and signs dynamic infielders because he knows there's going to be one or two or three that he converts to the outfield. Justin Bench was never expected to go to the outfield, and he went out to center field. He was really good. Will Golson. He's an infielder by trade. He went to the outfield and stayed there. Yeah, I mean, it's early in the season. You're going to mix and match. You're going to find some of these young guys or some of these Juco transfers that are going to get the chance. And who knows two years from now, if we're like, remember when TJ McCants was an infielder? It it might happen. Yeah, see, that's what was funny to me, is um, knowing that Jacob Gonzalez was going to be your shortstop, I would have been tempted because TJ McCants, he didn't have a bad fall. He didn't have a bad preseason. I'd have been tempted to throw him in center field just to see. Why not? Because the obvious answer, had he been healthy, was Jerrion Ely in center field. Yeah. But he's not. He's out for the season with a shoulder injury. Yeah, here's the thing I'm wondering now. Let's say Ely's healthy. What does that do with Jacob Gonzalez? Do you still have Jacob Gonzalez hitting up there in the 2-3-4 hole, or does yes. that put him in the 7 or 8 to start? I, no. I think he's still hitting that high, and, and Ely's probably down at the 7-8-9, but knowing the way Bianco has liked to organize lineups in the past with speed, I have no idea what happens. I really laughed when he said, I didn't have the guts to bat Jacob Gonzalez third. You batted him second, where I would want you to bat him anyway if you think he's the best hitter. You kind of stumbled into that one, Mike. I wanted to say it to him, but I mean, I'm not going to. You know? I mean, I think already right now he's the best here in the lineup. And I said this too earlier in the podcast. Usually every single year, you can pick out the superstars. We knew Tyler Keenan. We knew Anthony Servideo, Greg Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, way back Chris Coggins, Zach Kozer. You picked the year. We knew the superstars. This team, talented, deep as it is, the superstars are Doug Nikhazy and Gunnar Hoagland. We don't have that lineup superstar. And the guy with that quality... You can see it, he oozes it, and he's a true freshman as Jacob Gonzalez. And that's why it's very un-Mike Bianco. But, dude, he already hit, had him hitting up there. And Peyton Chatney was hitting second last year. 
But this is different because I think Peyton Chatney, he looks a little like what he's always going to be. I don't know if he's anything more than what he is right now, which is a good college baseball player. But Jacob Gonzalez is different. He looks different. He does. Uh, that that play he made uh, today for whoever's listening, the, the game three of the series, good golly. I, I, if Servideo made it, if Kessinger made it, I still would have dropped my jaw. But to make it in your third ever college game, that was that was an intensely good defensive play for a guy who also hit an RBI triple like two innings later and pounded a home run in a major league ballpark in a second game. We'll get right back to Nick Suss in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's going to look really good when he grows out of shortstop and goes to third base. He looks like Greg Kessler, like Mike said, in year three. There's no way he can stay there at shortstop, but he's making those plays. That big as he is, in short as a freshman in the first three games against three top ten teams. He just looks the part. He looks like a superstar. And we talk about that guy in the lineup, and I'm not sure if by the end of the year the guy isn't obviously Jacob Gonzalez, and we're talking about him for the next three years. And this is a side note, but I think your listeners will like this. Was this like a low-key great analytics weekend for Ole Miss baseball? Not just with Gonzalez hitting up high, but with the way they used Broadway and leverage in game one and the way they used Austin Miller and leverage in game two. I I think this was like a really analytically sound, really intelligently coached. And that's not a surprise, but it's still just like a victory when any baseball team does the right thing with its relief pitching and does the right thing with lineup management. Oh, sure. And make no mistake now, Mike Bianco is more traditionally inclined but he's opened himself up to analytics. A lot of that has to do with his coaching staff, including Mike Clement, who's all in on analytics. He's been on this show countless times. He's almost a guest co-host at this point. And we've talked about sabermetrics over and over and over. And I know a lot of people are going to roll their eyes at it, but if you look at how Mike Bianco utilized his bullpen, Taylor Broadway coming in when he did. Yes, he covered the final four innings, but look where he came in. It was the highest leverage situation of the game. Old years... Mike would have waited to bring in Taylor Broadway to close out the game. Now, I don't think he expected him to have to cover four innings, but he brought him in at a time in which the game was in doubt, and he shut the door. So, yes, that is an analytical move that Mike Bianco made. Now, with the lineup, he's a little bit more stubborn, and he's always going to be a little bit more stubborn. But, hey, if Jacob Gonzalez is batting second, he's the best hitter in your lineup, I'm good with it. I'm not going to complain. Everything else is going to fall into place. I don't know what the best lineup construction is right now because I still think that there are way too many more question marks than we're actually giving them credit for of that lineup. We're assuming some known quantities that aren't necessarily that. Yeah, 
it, Van Cleve and Leatherwood, the samples are super small, and I get that. And Elko, you got to assume he's the guy we saw last year because he's been doing that forever. He was just stuck in a log jam for the first couple of years on campus. But I agree about the lineup. I I'm not sure who the big bopper in this is. I don't think there's anybody who fills the Tyler Keenan role. If if you're assuming that Gonzalez can do what Servideo did last year, I don't know if anybody can do what Keenan did, but I still think that with the depth of this lineup, if your seventh best hitter on any given day is Hayden Leatherwood, you're still going to have one of the better lineups in college baseball. And side note before, before we move on, Hayden Dunhurst looks so much better at the plate, yeah. so much more comfortable, so much more willing to use all sides of the field. I was, I came away really impressed thinking he might be the logical cleanup hitter on this team. Here's my projected lineup, what I would write out there. I don't have the pen, the Sharpie. I'm not Mike Bianco. But of course, whenever I made a joke on Twitter, because everybody's super serious and made a joke on my board, everybody's super serious. Oh, are you questioning Mike Bianco? No, this is stupid sports. I'm just throwing it out there, what I would want to do. It's supposed to be fun, you dummies. But anyway, I would have gone like this. <laughs> Gonzalez, Elko, Dunhurst, Van Cleve, Graham, LaFleur, no, Baker. I had Baker written in there because this was before this all happened. Leatherwood, Chatney, Bench. That would be my lineup for Wednesday, but Chatney's not going to be in there. It would be Garrett Wood. The key takeaway here is Gonzo, Elko, Dunhurst. But I'm not sure after one small sample weekend that Dunhurst wouldn't be if I'm putting my best hitter second, if it's not Gonzo, who I'm basically making him Ronald Acuna in this dream lineup, then Dunhurst is my Freddie Freeman bad <laughs> second. Yeah, I, Dunhurst talked all, all preseason about wanting to learn how to use all fields and cut down on strikeouts. I think the the most telling stat is last year, for as good as he was as a true freshman, he batted two for 20 in the games against Louisville, East Carolina, Indiana, and Southern Miss. He really raked up stats against your Alcorn States and your UL Monroe's. That's fair. Uh, this year, this year he came out and against three really good teams, put together some really quality at bats, drew a couple walks, proved he's a pretty talented base runner. He played a about as complete of a series as you'd ask for from a catcher who, oh, also by the way, still has top three arm in college baseball as a catcher. That's I'm really, I, I always saw the hype with him, but this weekend really validated, oh, he's more than a guy who last year pummeled the Xavier's and Princeton's of the world. He's the best catcher in college baseball. He is, defensively alone. Even, even if his offense is only 260 with minimal pop, he's the best catcher in baseball. Defensively, he's that elite. He's 80 pop time. He frames really well. He stole strikes for Derek Diamond, who was painting. I'll give it to him. He was painting. He was dynamic on Monday. Still, it helps when oh, you have we're a good stealing yeah. pitches for Gunner. Gosh, he was so good at painting. For so Gunner. yeah, just bringing them in, man. Bringing strikes into the zone for him. Yeah, I just I I was so impressed by him. And again, top to bottom, this is a good lineup. It's it does have the glaring hole of there isn't a Tyler Keenan, but if your main weakness is that you don't have an All-American anymore, that's what happens when you're a top 10, top 20 program. You lose All-Americans. But if we're overreacting on this Tuesday, what if they do? And what if his name is Jacob Gonzalez? Yeah, I 
I'm impressed. I'm not ready to call him Alex Bregman. He's Crown not him, man. Come in. Crown him. You you go for it. I, I'll I'll wait until the end of April when he's still hitting this well and be like, I was wrong. I, I should have been as young as Ben was. Yeah, it's just fun. It's fun. It's fun. Ole Miss went 3-0. I mean, they went 3-0 against three top 10 teams. And after Ole Miss basketball laid an egg against Mississippi State, all but pretty much blowing up their NCAA tournament hopes unless they went out and went two games in the SEC tournament. This is where all the attention should be. Football-wise, it's dormant. And then Ole Miss baseball does the one thing that could get everybody over the moon hyped, and they didn't even play their best baseball. They went 3-0. and Yeah. And gosh, it, I was so impressed by everything baseball-related this weekend. But I am so glad that we're going to get back to either being at Swayze or listening to SEC broadcasts from now on. Yes, yeah, because... Don't want to hate too much, but uh, Flow Sports, they kept calling Derek Diamond Dustin Diamond. Not a good time for that, guys. Not a great time. Of all the quibbles that I have, I think the minorest one, but the one that still gets me, is at least seven different times the announcer said, like, and who could have predicted three years ago when they put this tournament together that these six teams would all be in the top ten? You mean to tell me you're surprised that Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU are good at college baseball? The one that made me really laugh was they said Derek Diamond, the likely Sunday starter. And I'm like, guys, basic research would have told you he started every Sunday last year. Who else is in contention? What are you talking about? Dustin Diamond the potential likely starting Sunday starter because you can't call him Derek. You're calling him Screech. I mean, close force. Come on, man. It was, it was not good. I'll leave you with this. I asked Brad this. I'll ask you over under 38 and a half wins over. God, that was quick. I, I, they're, will they lose a midweek game all year? There's going to be a game where the offense just can't hit a guy throwing 82, just a slot pitcher. Or Drew McDaniel, as much as I love me some Drew McDaniel, I don't want to get into all that, but I think Drew McDaniel is a dynamic future weekend rotation arm. Saturday starter behind Derek Diamond next year probably. Maybe he has a clunker or will have a clunker. Wes Burton starts, has a clunker. There's going to be a game like that. It's baseball. Just don't overreact when it happens. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not going to write a team off for losing. On a I Tuesday. wasn't I just, talking about you. I was talking about Ole Miss no. fans. Overreact and have yeah. fun with three and oh, don't overreact after they lose. I'm basically telling you to be a homer. <laughs> but yeah, I guess my point is like, if you rack up the, what are there, 15 midweeks this year and you already have three mm-hmm. uh, wins now, that means you have to go 20 and 10 in SEC play to, to get to 38. And I think that's a manageable expectation. Gosh, I wasn't even counting the, gosh, there are more games than I thought there were. I wasn't even counting the other three weekend series. Yeah, they can get to 38. The one thing I'll say is I'm not ready to say this team is like Omaha or bust until I can guarantee they're at home through the postseason. And last year's team for me was Omaha or bust. That last year's team was that this team a little yep. bit more wiggle room because I just don't know a few things about the lineup. I'm not as bullish about that. P- 
Pitching wise, yes, of course. And, Pitching rotation, bullpen, and, yes. But lineup wise, I got some questions. And of the four major contenders in the West, Ole Miss is the only one that draws both Vanderbilt and Florida. And the fact that it also draws Georgia and South Carolina, you arguably have the four best teams in the East. You might be playing the toughest possible SEC schedule. Maybe you set up Tennessee for South Carolina, but Ole Miss doesn't have it easy schedule wise. Yeah. Who did Ole Miss piss off in the SEC office? I mean, my God. Um, it's at least Vandy's at home, but yeah, it's, it's a tough schedule compared to what Arkansas and state and LSU have to deal with. They all have one of them. Obviously you can't, you can miss both Vanderbilt and Florida, but it's highly unlikely. Um, but until I can guarantee that either winning the West or finishing high enough in the West means you're a top eight seed and you have home field through Omaha. That's the only time I can be like, well, yeah, if you're a top eight seed, this was Omaha or bust, but you can't, you can't make that guarantee until you know what the SEC looks like. Bold prediction before letting it go. It's going to be Gunnar Hoagland against Kumar Rocker when Vanderbilt comes to town. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. I was thinking about that earlier today. Uh, the one, the series I'm most excited for just pitching for pitching is the state series. Cause those are six wildly different, but, extremely interesting pitchers because you want my wild prediction christian mcleod might be every bit as good as rocker or lighter as a college pitcher I'm oh my god as whoa, well whoa. as a pro pitcher but as a college pitcher that dude's awesome okay we're gonna end it there he's nick sus <laughs> covers Ole miss sometimes state for the jackson clarion ledger thanks for doing this man i appreciate it of course you're gonna come on during the season and calm me down and talk me off of my craziness but for now we end it with optimism thank you buddy Anytime, Ben.